Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today on CityCast Madison. It's Thursday, so of course, we're dishing on Madison's food scene. Close your eyes. Picture a Wisconsin farmer. Who do you see? One second generation Madisonian is working in the soil to diversify local imaginations on just who fits that bill. Alex Booker of Booker Botanicals just went full-time with his farming business, and at its core is Black sustainable agriculture. He farms in Black Earth and at his Madison home, and he's a longtime Madison urban farming educator working to reconnect BIPOC Madisonians to our food systems. It's Thursday, September 7th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Alex, hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? I am doing pretty lovely because I'm looking at you and you're outside, which is very fitting. (laughs) Yes, I need to be in the sun to recharge always. True. Just like our crystals. (laughs) Sorry, I tried to make it weird right off the bat. You've recently gone full time with your small business, Booker Botanicals. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It took a lot of therapy to get to this point. Uh, <laughs> so I want to shout out my therapist, Anissa Therapy. Thank you. Y'all have done a lot of work. So tell us your <laughs> vision for Booker Botanicals. So there's a couple of them. <laughs> but the uh, main the main vision is reconnecting Black and brown people to our food systems in whatever way, shape, or form that looks like. Sometimes that is just being able to grow a couple herbs in a pot on your uh, balcony or on your patio or that being able to grow large amounts of food or your favorite vegetable, or even if it's just going to a local farmer and picking up your produce or getting your honey or getting your eggs from them because you know where they come from. Well, how did you get started into this? So I've always gardened. Uh, I've been gardening since I was a little kid. My family owns farms in Mississippi, has land down there, Um, but I never grew up on it. I grew up here in Madison. So I just had a little garden in my backyard (laughs) and I always loved my garden. And even when I went to college, as soon as I got off campus, I had little potted gardens in my little college houses that I lived in and always grew tomatoes and zucchini and stuff just because. And then in 2020, when the pandemic hit, people started caring about where their food came from (laughs) Uh, before it was just a hobby. And then now people started actually recognizing that uh, the food systems were unsustainable and and trying to find more local resources to food. And I kind of just like looked at my roommates and I'm like, y'all, we good. (laughs) We had had my garden. Uh, We also had some ducks that I was raising at the time. And so I was like, you know, whatever happens, we got it. We're good. And then I started helping people make gardens in whatever spaces that they had available at their home. So that's where I started my business till I got space out in Black Earth where I could grow 
larger quantities of food. Then that started towards the end of 2020. Uh, and then I've just been plugging away at it ever since. Each year, <laughs> each year I expand a little bit more, try out some new things uh, and add to the services that I have. Where are you selling your vegetables? I have a CSA this year with uh, another farmer, Sebastian. And so that is one way that we get produce out. Uh, I sell directly to different caterers. My goal is to have Black caterers and food vendors be able to purchase their foods from another Black farmer instead of buying it from the grocery store. So I grow like collard greens, okra, and all kinds of stuff that people actually cook with for our catering needs. And so uh, that's one avenue that I sell to and do some pop-ups, like I just did the Luna's Block Party. I will always do that every year. It's an amazing time. I love them. Uh, And so I sold out there and it was pretty good. Yeah, (laughs) I heard you had to pack up early. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's one lady, she bought all my eggs. Each year she comes and haggles me and it's a beautiful experience, a nice dance. Uh, I know minimal Spanish and so I learned my Spanish through money. (laughs) 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 So so we go and we do that dance and it's beautiful. Uh, And so, yeah, she ended up buying all my eggs. And she's like, you don't have any more? I'm like, no, you literally took all the last of my eggs. So I might do more markets in the future now that I have more availability. I heard you aren't a big fan of basil, but you like to make pesto with edible weeds. Yes. Another thing, we're going to get real hippie woo woo. I don't really (laughs) like to fight nature. So, of course, the first year I do a CSA, there's a major drought. Uh, So at first we were trying to like rush and irrigate and do all the things to try to keep things alive. But at some point it was like, I don't want to drain a well. I don't want to drain a natural resource just to have cucumbers to sell to people. At some point I decided to stop fighting against nature and start working with nature. And so we were looking around and there was all of these edible weeds that I've eaten before that I was just like, "Ah, no one's really going to want that. They're going to feel like we're cheating them out of their boxes. Uh, But having things like lamb's quarter, purslane, wood swirl, and like being able to label them and share like how you can cook them, how you can make lamb's quarter the same way you use spinach. But also what I really liked was edible weed pesto, which uh, I learned how to make at Badger Rock when I was working there. And it tastes amazing. Well, of course, because you put cheese in it. But (laughs) (laughs) to me, I kind of didn't like pesto because basil have like a licorice flavor Mm -hmm. to me. I just put it to the side. No, thank you. But when I had that, I was like, wait, this is really good. I actually like this flavor. I like the texture of it. And so sharing ways to use edible weeds and make something that we think of like a top shelf, high expensive thing. People spend a lot of money on a small little jar of pesto. It's uh, true. To just put some items together that are doing great in a drought is something that is very important. And I think that is a skill that I would like to share with more people. So that knowledge of foraging and the knowledge of like medicinal weeds, medicinal plants are all things that I want to share as I learn. Um, and so, yeah, we had that in our first box. Nice. <laughs> a recipe for the pesto and everyone loved it. I was scared. I was like sweating for the, <laughs> the first week. <laughs> I'm like, they're going to call me a fraud. Oh my God. Everyone's going to hate me. Uh, <laughs> but it was amazing. Oh my uh, people really excited to try something different. So what else was, is in your CSA box? 
So yeah, so it depends on the season, but we've had baby carrots, radishes, cucumbers, collard greens. I love collard greens, so we have a lot of collard greens. Kale. I've learned about the different types of kale. And so there is a Siberian kale where the leaves aren't as like tough and aren't as tight as the curly kale. And so it's a little bit floppier. It cooks faster and it's, uh, you don't have to beat it up just to eat it. <laughs> so I prefer that kale. And so being able to share that with other people was really cool. I grow garden eggs, which are like a small little eggplant, but they look like little eggs in the garden. Oh, <laughs> interesting. A lot of herbs. Herbs did great during the drought. They love that dry heat, minimal nutrient. Um, and so sharing a lot of different herbs with people and then sharing how to use those herbs and using them fresh or drying them. So I made them in bunches that were small enough that people could either hang up and dry or that they could make it into a tea, cook it into some pastries or anything like that. Mm. A lot a lot of those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. And we're getting beans in the future. Green beans should be coming pretty soon. Uh, I'm growing vegan potatoes. I have chicken, so we had eggs in there for a week where people got a half dozen eggs. And so sharing those different uh, amazing things from the garden with people who normally don't get to try those. I love that. What's the most like out there plant that you're growing that folks should really try? I would say my blue spice basil is my favorite thing right now that I'm obsessed with. <laughs> it I, has, so like, you like basil, but it's a specific basil. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't do that basic basil. That no basic do. basil for Alex so Booker. <laughs> I can't do what everybody else is doing. So <laughs> I, I like the blue spice. It has like a clove sense and flavor to it. And it's very soft. I love it in teas. I started learning how to use it to marinate meats. So I've done it with some fish and some chicken. And it's, it's really, really nice round flavor. So that was, that's my like thing that I try to, I try to coax people into it. And people are like, I don't know what to do with it. But I'm like, just explore, like try it. Do I understand this correctly? That you're hoping to kind of make a space, almost even like a retreat space? Yeah. So long down the line, when I do decide to purchase land, I would like to have that be a space where it's a retreat space uh, where we blend licensed therapy and hippie woo-woo therapy. And we have access for all of that stuff for our black and brown people. But on the road to that, we started doing some small retreats at the farm. Uh, and so I worked with Erica Rosales and Sharice Johnson, and they do some work with the YWCA, and they started their own, like, connecting with the ancestors and connecting with body movement, breath work, sound bowls, and all of that stuff. Uh, and so we actually did a small retreat out at the farm uh, a few months ago and had a whole bunch of people. It was pretty much Spanish-speaking people and Black people, and we were just in the field and, like, listening to the sound bowls and meditating it was really beautiful to see it in their eyes because we started off thanking this amazing maple tree that's in the uh, front yard. Uh, we asked permission to be there um, and it kind of opened my eyes and shifted how I even saw the land that I grow on already. So it was very beautiful and we're looking to do some more of those, have some yoga and stuff like that. We have agricultural roots, you know, the West Coast of Africa, like we come from agricultural people. And I don't think that's like a very well-known thing. And if you could talk a little bit about why it's important to do this kind of work for 
the community? Yeah. So like I said, the way I grew up, there wasn't really like a stigma against slavery. Like we knew it was wrong, but it wasn't our burden. I grew up seeing cotton fields in Mississippi. I saw where cotton gin was. There's still a lot of segregation and stuff down there, but it wasn't like we did something wrong by being enslaved. Up here, I feel like there is that mix of culture where it's like, it's a shame. You feel shame to be out growing stuff. You kind of feel shame or feel like you're impoverished if you are growing your own food. Um, And so I didn't really have that stigma growing up. And so once I got older and I had friends that made comments about me going out in the field and they're like, like, you slaving in the field. I'm like, actually, no, this is my own business. I get paid. So that means it's not slavery. But I'm joining out in the field, empowering out in the field. Exactly. I'm like, I'm having a grand time. This is where I belong. And so I have that passion to share that like we aren't that period in time. We are more than that. And also understanding what all goes into that. We were specifically chosen for our agricultural um, experiences and expertise. And so it's not like they just plopped over. And this is stuff that we don't learn in school. So no, we don't. They, make, um, they just threw a net and grabbed everybody and then just went and brought everybody back here and was like, oh, all of this works. Uh, it no, wasn't so, random at all, right? Uh, very strategic. And so knowing that 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 expertise, that blood runs through our veins, uh, knowing that the people who came over here were so connected to the earth that they didn't know where they were going, but they knew that if they brought seeds with them, that they'd be able to try to start over a new life wherever they ended up. And so they ended up braiding okra seeds, braiding watermelon seeds into their hair and unbraiding them when they got back into a safe space. And that is how they brought different foods to the United States uh, and across the world is because they actually ended up braiding them and transferring those seeds with them. And so it makes you rethink about a lot of things, a lot of stigmas uh, (laughs) that comes with agriculture and Black people. And also it makes you think of like, this is a part of us genetically and thinking of the innovation that's happened through all of that, even stuff like foraging. I listened to the um, Black in the Garden podcast. Mm. They did an episode about Harriet Tubman being uh, a master forager. Oh my gosh. Cook and medicinal person. I'm like, of course she was. Because yeah. if you'd make a trip back and forth, you need to know what's available. <laughs> to you. you need to know right. all these different herbs and know the, the bird sounds and all of these things. And it's like, these are all things that we use on us to survive. And um, now we're at a space where we're able to use them to flourish. And it's time for us to go back to those ways and go back to that knowledge because the food systems is not just failing Black people, it's failing everybody. <laughs> but we have we have a chance to be able to reconnect to those uh, old ways and figure out how to help us move forward. You mentioned how you worked uh, for the Badger Rock Neighborhood Center. Um, you worked for Urban Triage as a farm educator. Like, are you taking those skills with you now, to, you know, being full time at Booker Botanicals? Yes, I am excited now that I have more time to do some workshops with people and with the community uh, and doing some educational things and just how to use different foods, learning about different foods, learning how to grow in different conditions. I am growing in three different locations right now, out in Black Earth, which is very a very rural space. And then I'm also growing here where I live in my backyard. So it's more of a suburban uh, garden. Uh, and then I also have a couple 
community garden plots at Badger Rock Neighborhood Center. And so being able to show how to produce enough either for yourself to share, to even sell through these different small plots of land is something that I really uh, am passionate about teaching. That sounds huge. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then Eve, I am going to be beekeeping next year. I learned how to beekeep at Badger Rock. I really love that energy. It's kind of relaxing and centering to me. And I think that more people should be exposed to that. And so sharing those things and even stuff like um, maple tree tapping. I didn't really know much about tapping maple trees or how to make syrup. And so I learned that a year ago working at Badger Rock. And then this last year, I did it for the first time at my best friend's house. Shout out Matias. When he moved into his place in the summer of last year, I was looking at his backyard. I'm like, wait, those are maple trees. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Okay, like, we gonna tap that in spring. He's yes. like, oh. <laughs> And so uh, I tapped his maple trees and uh, got to share with them, like, That's the so beauty lovely. of actually being able to make coffee out of the sap, not turning it into syrup, but making, using that instead of water, making uh, tea out of sap instead of water. You know, I, I learned or I understand that you were the only black farmer from Wisconsin at last year's National Black Farmers Association Conference. And yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and why do you think Wisconsin has so few black farmers? Why is that? I think we are here, but I think that we're dispersed in a lot of areas. I believe, especially in Madison, and this is, don't let the nonprofits hear me. But <laughs> it is a very nonprofit heavy space. And so a lot of people who are in this space of like growing food and getting food to our community, we end up in the nonprofit world. We end up working with different centers and stuff like that because we want to get the food out to the people. When you're doing that, you don't really have control over what you're growing, when you're growing, or even having your own plot and space to sustain off of. There's people who are interested in gardening and farming. I know a lot of them, but it's just not having a lot of people who have the structures to start their businesses. And that is all due to like land access. A lot of people who have farms, it's passed down from their family members and stuff like that. And so knowing that most of the people who are here in Madison come from the Great Migration, we didn't migrate and inherit land. <laughs> and so, and so it's like we kind of had to like deal with what we have access to. Uh, and the people at Firm Footing Farms where I farm out in Black Earth, they're trying to break that gap by allowing LGBTQ black and brown people to start their businesses without paying for leasing the land. And so we're able to have space and have a location to grow our stuff, do whatever we want to do and build our businesses without paying those taxes, without paying up front to have access to equipment, having access to a barn. <laughs> I love how <laughs> generative this all is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also understand you have an event on September 24th to raise money to send local farmers to the National Black Farmers Association Conference. Can you tell us yes. what do you have planned there and how do people yes. attend? So uh, Sharif and I, we are looking to present at the conference in Philadelphia. And uh, we are looking to do a presentation on preserving heritage for our future generations and how do we preserve our culture to share in the future. Um, and that would be through many different ways, either storytelling, cooking, music, dance. But then it's really figuring out how do we make that accessible to our community? What things do we need to learn uh, and reconnect to so that we can share that with our community? And I got this idea of 
when I was out in Bremerton, Washington, working with a Squalum tribe with elders, and they were telling me about the process of becoming an elder. You don't just grow up, you don't just turn 65 and wake up and now you're an elder. You like have to prove like, what are you bringing to the community? How are you going to be a true elder and serve your community? And uh, that made me think of like, what do I want to bring? <laughs> my yeah. sister had, had my nephew, Angelo, last year. And that really made me think of like, I want Angelo to come running inside and he has like a cough or something. And I grab a couple herbs and like make a tea and be like, here, drink this a couple of times each day and you'll be fine. Like I, that's the type of elder I want to be. And so then there's a lot of work that gets you to that point. And there's a lot of years of work <laughs> that it's to get you to that point. And so now I've had to start that journey since I know what the end result I want, I want it to be. So that's what our workshop is. It's like figuring out what is the end result of how you want to serve and what type of elder you want to be in your community? And what steps do you need to take to get to that? What mm. kind of resources, whether that be online, video, books, in person, who do you need to connect with to become and actualize into the elder that you want to be? Oh my goodness, you are so thoughtful. I, I'm so excited to hear about you sourcing ideas, you know, from indigenous elders on the West Coast and Washington <laughs> State you're really building generative. So Alex, thank you so much for giving us your time and talking about Booker Botanicals. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. That's Alex Booker, owner of Booker Botanicals. We'll toss links to his socials in our show notes if you want to stay up to date with his work. And here's what else Madison's talking about. Campus safety. Madison police are reporting that someone's been arrested for the attack on a UW student that happened earlier Sunday morning. A woman in her early 20s was taken to the hospital for life-threatening injuries after being found near West Wilson and Bedford Streets. Madison Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway said the Madison Police Department increased its patrols in partnership with the UW Police. The suspect is in the Dane County Jail facing tentative charges of first-degree reckless injury, first-degree sexual assault, and strangulation. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with a friend who loves good basil. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Until then, ciao.